Welcome to Your Money in 20, the podcast from your friends at Woodward Financial Advisors. This is Ben Birkin, Certified Financial Planner at Woodward Financial Advisors, along with Victor Colella, also Certified Financial Planner at Woodward Financial Advisors. Vic, how you doing? Ben, I knew you would ask me that question, so uh, I've got a response. If I was any better, you couldn't call it work. I'm just going to let that sit there for a moment. <laughs> going to marinate in its own juices. And it's done. All right. So <laughs> we are we are t- we are coming to you live. Actually, we're coming to you recorded. But um, I'm sitting here in my house. Victor, you're actually in the office today. Um, but still knee deep in this whole pandemic situation, which actually lends itself well to what we're talking about today, which are uh, sadly and ironically the four critical documents of an estate plan. We've heard anecdotally from some of our um, estate planning attorneys that they've seen a dramatic uptick in business since March and April as the pandemic's gone on and worsened people in a rush to maybe complete some of their estate planning documents that they'd been dragging their feet on before. Yeah, I think a lot of folks have had to confront <laughs> their own mortality, which is dark. So what better way to uh, you know, pick a podcast topic than to do that together? That's right. You know, the you, the trigger used to be we're going on a big trip and we don't have this done. Now nobody can go anywhere, but the concern about health and safety has prompted people to say, "Hey, this is as good a time as any, if not better, to get our affairs in order." So, you know, with that in mind, you know, our typical disclaimer, this is an informational and educational podcast only, not meant to serve or replace legal or tax or investment advice. If you have specific questions about your plan, please seek out your professional and get those questions answered that way. So with that in mind, Victor, let's actually zoom out just a little bit and talk about big picture. What's the purpose of estate planning before we go into the four critical documents of an estate plan? Sure. And I think the purpose, I think a lot of folks have a different definition in mind when they hear estate planning. Um, a A lot of folks assume that it's just, you know, planning for what happens when I'm gone. Also, another way to say it maybe is who gets my stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's more than that. And it, honestly, it's more than four critical documents. But um, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of folks have thought about is how do I avoid paying estate tax? How do I minimize costs? How do I, you know, there are a lot of different things that you're accomplishing with an estate plan. And I think uh, you know, thinking about it just in terms of who gets my stuff where I'm gone is, is sort of a limiting way to think about it, which is part of what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. And we should probably say at the outset too, this is not about how to do estate planning. So we're not going to get into how to pay as little in taxes and stuff like that. We're going to keep it at that 30,000 foot view. Yeah. So I to to get specific about what it is, if if not just who gets my stuff, I think really it's it's planning for what happens when Sure, if you pass. I mean, that's definitely a big component of it. And we'll talk about that. But also, what if you're incapacitated? This one is often overlooked. Uh, Because, for example, a will, which was going to be our first document that we talk about, that only kicks in when when you pass away. So if you're incapacitated and no longer able to make decisions for yourself, either financial or otherwise, that's part of a good estate plan as well, is is planning for that outcome. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, some people will jokingly say, well, it's about who gets my stuff. But it's also if you have minor children, who gets them? 
right? <laughs> We're not going to call them stuff, but yeah. who's going to be legally responsible for their guardianship, both their physical guardianship, but also potentially the guardianship of any financial assets you leave to your kids or on behalf of your kids? Yeah. So a lot of components to it. But I think in, in a broader sense, I mean, it could be about your legacy, about both what your legacy could be. So maybe you have big plans for charitable or sort of a legacy that's not financial in terms of, you know, installing, instilling the values in your kids and family that you've worked your whole lives to develop, but also not leaving a legacy of chaos. Uh, it takes planning just to avoid uh, leaving chaos in your wake, which is the unfortunate truth about the way that the legal system works when, when someone passes away. It is not simple. Uh, so proper planning is a gift. Yep. Uh, and that's what we were ones. talking about before we started recording is that sometimes this can be framed as this is one of the best gifts that you can give to people who are going to take care of stuff for you if you die, when you die, or if you're incapacitated. So you actually already mentioned the first big document. It's the one that most folks think about. And that's your will, right? Um, I think sometimes sounds more intimidating than it really is. Um, I credit all the detective movies of the last 50 years with, you know, the dramatic reading of the will. Um, It's just a piece of paper, right? It's really just a piece of paper. Um, But it's going to do a few important things, right? One of them, like we talked about, it'll say, this is who gets my stuff. If I die, I want, I say this account, this asset goes to this person, right? It's pretty straightforward. Um, But it also names... Who are you going to have be responsible for making sure that happens, right? Your executor. Um, yeah, and and Will's not only saying where where you you know who takes care of your your physical uh, belongings and who gets what, but like you said, so a lot of folks will put that guardianship designation. So if you have children, especially minor children, and you want a specific family member or friend to take care of them, you specify it in here. Um, there are other other goodies that you can put into a will, and, and we we jotted down a few of them. Uh, but one of them uh, is also you can specify uh, who takes care of your pets. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not not exactly children, but your pets are. I mean, they're like children for a lot of people. Um, and just expressing general wishes, but also electronic. I know we're going to come back to that at the end, but you know, who takes care of your uh, electronic assets, which could be uh, social media or otherwise. Yep. And again, you know, this is a, a surface level thing. So we're not going to go into the minute details about what constitutes a legal will and whatnot. It happens to be different in every state. Yep. Um, there are a couple of other things too. So we talked about, and we'll cover this too, wills really control what happens when you die. Um, it's a document that gets put through the probate process. So it, it is part of public record as all probate is. Um, but there are a couple of other associated, I'll call them documents. They're not really part of your will, but they are important when you think about them. One of them could be incorporated into your will, like a trust, right? Some wills have trusts built into them. Some wills reference trusts, um, not part of every estate planning package. So we're not really going to talk about that too much here, but that can be a way of accomplishing certain estate planning goals. Um, but the other one that I want to spend maybe a little bit of time on is beneficiary designations. Right, because your will does say who gets my stuff when I die, but it's not everything. Yeah, and I it's specifically, you know, I think common misconceptions. One, one wills it's the most well known estate planning document. I think I can pretty comfortably say, 
but they're not enough. So you can say who you can express your wishes for who gets your things, but employer plans are a great example of this. So anywhere that you've written a beneficiary on a document, so anything that's a contract is the way that I think of it. So any insurance, life insurance is a great example here. Any uh, employer plans where, you know, ERISA plans or even IRAs. 401k or an IRA. Yeah, 401ks, IRAs, 403bs, those sorts of uh, documents. If you said, I want my stuff to go to my, my child, child number one, let's say, you're cutting child number two out of the picture in the will. If you want all your stuff to go to child number one in your will, but on your IRAs and life insurance, you've expressed a beneficiary that someone else, it goes to someone else. Those take precedence over your will. So make sure that everything is working together in the same way. And that means updating both. Uh, yep. You Poor don't do this once. <laughs> Poor child number two is uh, written out of the will, but somehow still gets everything in your example. Um it can lead to some pretty complicated conversations with whoever survives. Yeah, and more common, I mean, I think anyone who's been in the business that we're in for a long time has seen someone passes away and the ex-spouse is still on as a beneficiary on some accounts, or maybe they made a will 15 years ago and said, yeah, we've got an estate plan. Life changes. So I think estate planning needs to change with it. So this is something you want to revisit. Yeah. Um, so that's the, here's the funny part is that of the four documents, the will is the only one that talks about death or that works when you die. The other three are really all about when you're still alive. The next two being powers of attorney form, both durable and healthcare. So let's talk about durable or financial power of attorney first. Yeah, I'll take a crack at defining it and then we can talk about it. But so a durable power of attorney. So there are a few, there are a few aspects of it. So this one is all about financial assets. I'll start there. So a power of attorney is saying, when I am incapacitated, so unable to do these things for myself, and the details matter, so you could define it specifically how you want to define incapacity in these documents. So let's say if I'm un unable to eat on my own or whatever definition you choose, then this person is in, in charge. Now, you could give them full reign in that document, or you could say in charge specifically in these ways and not in these other ways. So I can't change beneficiaries on all my accounts to my child instead of your child, but still managing uh, in my best interest. Now, durable is another word that I think we should focus on. Durable means uh, it survives your, if, if you're incapacitated, it's still valid. Um, yeah. This is a big, powerful document, stronger than most people realize, because most of them are written in such a way that it's in force upon signing, unlike a healthcare power of attorney, which we'll talk about next, which might be triggered by something. When you've named somebody as a durable power of attorney under most circumstances, you've said you can act as if you were me. So you got to think long and hard. It's an important document to have, but you want to be careful and thoughtful about who you name as your agent. Um, yeah. And, and this, you know, you think, what are the, uh, I, I think with all of these documents, I think uh, a lot of people procrastinate them because it's not that fun to talk about, first of all. Um, True. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like to think we're having fun anyways, but 
So, yeah, they're not that fun to talk about, but also you think, what are the odds that this occurs? But it happens far too frequently. And it is really complicated to figure this stuff out. If there's an urgent financial matter and you're either temporarily or permanently incapacitated and, uh, you know, it's a gift to your loved ones in thinking about this when everything is good instead of making them figure it out when you aren't there to be able to express your wishes. Totally true. And here, let's make it even more complicated. Just because you have a durable power of attorney doesn't mean it's always going to work, even though it should. Some financial institutions are so hypersensitive and aware of fraud that they won't accept your attorney drafted power of attorney. They'll only accept their own form. So, you know, estate planning goes beyond the signing ceremony that you might have with your attorney uh, in many ways. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the other power of attorney form, the healthcare power of attorney form. So again, you're not dead, but you're incapacitated. You can't speak for yourself while financial matters are important. Sometimes maybe more acutely important are you're in the hospital. What do we do? Yeah. And, and you know, for some people, these are two different individuals. So the person who you want to steward your financial assets may not be the same person who you want to give the power to say, uh, you know, discontinue life-sustaining treatment, pull the plug, mm-hmm. uh, right? So maybe you have a, a, a family member who is a medical background and, you know, maybe more trustworthy in those types of circumstances. That might not be the advisor in the family. Uh, so yeah. often different people. And again, to add complication, Ben, different states and different medical institutions it may or may not observe that piece of paper that you have in your hands. And by the way, it has to be accessible. It's not very useful if none of your family knows where it is. Yeah. It's Um, beautifully drawn up and nobody can get to it. Well, might as well not have done it. So, um, you know, one of the things too, you'll sometimes see these in older plans, there'll be a separate form that's a HIPAA authorization. So something that will give people authorization to actually see and view your medical records. I think some of the more recent ones, at least in North Carolina, that's built in to the healthcare power of attorney form, but you do sometimes still have, and maybe it's this way in other states where there's a separate HIPAA release for the release of, of yeah. um, healthcare related information. So state by um, state, yep. medical institution by medical institution, they may have different rules. So like everything that we've talked about so far, you know, talking about, so maybe this healthcare power of attorney, maybe it's their job when someone goes into the hospital before you've crossed this bridge to make sure that you know with your local hospital what it's going to take to use that healthcare power of attorney. Yep. Okay. All right. Shall we move so on we to the move, last one? Let's move on to the last one, which um, it's certainly not the most fun, but it's the advanced directive form. Now, this is the form, the way that I usually talk about it with clients is it's an easy form to fill out because it's either you know this choice or this choice, although I think some attorneys expand the level of choices, but it's more... You are in a vegetative state. Do you want to, A, just let let me go, or B, do you want to be plugged into every machine in the hospital to be kept alive indefinitely um, until maybe something happens? Now, it's obviously not that stark, but that's really what we're getting at. What do you want somebody to do if you can't speak for yourself to say, keep me alive at all costs or let me go? And every few years, one of these cases comes up where there's a lack of an advanced directive. And what do you get is a lot of people fighting. The most memorable one was now, I think, almost 20 years ago. So Terry Schiavo, 
mm-hmm. where it was a longstanding battle between, I can't remember now if he was a husband or a boyfriend and her family. And they had different ideas about keep her alive or pull the plug. And the lack of an advanced directive from her turned into this longstanding expensive battle. Yeah. I mean, and I've seen this even inside of my own family with uh, grandparents who have passed. In that moment, you don't want to be guessing what your loved one wants. I'm just saying it's from the perspective of a family member who's left uh, behind, right? You don't want to have to be guessing in, in that moment because everyone's emotional. It's It's challenging for everyone. So having an advanced directive, which by the way, this one's also sometimes known as a, a living will, right, Ben? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think some folks were li- so referred to. You've probably that heard that if you haven't heard advanced directive. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want to have to guess, and this gives you the ability to to have a vote for your own care towards the end of your life. So, uh, not the cheeriest topic, not the most fun to think about, um, but. But there it is. It's so important. tremendously important. Yeah. So those are the big four, right? Wills and trusts, I suppose. Uh, healthcare and durable power of attorney, advanced directive. We put two other ones in the document that we use as our outline. One of them I referenced before the HIPAA release, you know, to allow for the private information to be shared with specified people. But another one that it's kind of working its way into this package, and it's all because of the explosion of everything happening online and social media platforms, something along the lines of, say, like a digital power of attorney or something that you put in your will to give somebody the decision or the authority to say, here's what I want to happen with my Facebook account when I'm dead, right? Or my Twitter handle when I'm dead. Yeah. And and the, the legal documents that are coming, the states haven't kept up with. I mean, they're not all on the same page yet in terms of a legal document that grants family members access to these digital accounts. But anything you express ahead of time is going to be better than nothing. So saying, you know, in your will that I want my Facebook to be uh, managed by my daughter. Facebook might not listen to that. And and you've seen cases of this already where just like hospitals who don't have their own form, Facebook says, listen. uh, We got terms of service, baby. Yeah. Did you read the terms of service? (laughs) No, no one does. We recommend that you do, but it's they're long. Uh, so yeah, it, expressing it, we've talked about password managers in the past, keeping all of this stuff in one place. This isn't a legal document, but keeping all of your financial items and or digital items and passwords and things in one place can really help your family members too. Yep. So I, th- I have a feeling that as this case law gets settled out, we're going to see more and more standardization and maybe something specific related to digital assets work its way into this package. But yeah, hopefully. Yep. So uh, we hope everybody has enjoyed, as much as you can, us talking about the critical elements of an estate plan. Remember, you can follow us uh, pretty much everywhere on Twitter. I'm at WFA underscore Ben. Victor's at WFA underscore Victor. You can go to our website, woodwardadvisors.com. Um, leave us a note. If you think what we've talked about is interesting or if you'd like to see something else, you can always do that on the website. Um, you can follow us on Apple or any of the other podcast platforms. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Let other folks know that we're here. Victor, until next time, thank you so much for sharing these last 20 minutes of your day with me. (laughs) You know, no better way to spend it, Ben. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.